your servant And I am listening Speak to me, Lord, speak to me Speak to me Welcome to a life-changing encounter with the Word of God presented to you by the Macarius Church Headquarters. This great teaching provides clear and straightforward answers for anyone desiring to walk according to the Word of God. Enjoy some of the most comprehensive and down-to-earth teachings as taught at the Macarius Church Headquarters. I am listening, I am waiting, speak to me. Wow, what a blessing. Oh, keep clapping. I'm just enjoying the atmosphere of the powerful ministration for the Medina Estates. Olives, and then the beautiful rendition of the favorite child, Makara's Got Talent. Amen. <laughs> we have a strong bench. How many of you know there are some teams that you don't know whether you want to meet the first side or the second side? Because sometimes when you meet the second side, they are determined to make a name. So it's not easy. <laughs> what a blessing. What a blessing. Lift up your hands and thank God for tonight and thank Him for the opportunity to hear His word. Oh, yes, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you for the gathering of your people tonight. Thank you for the sweet presence of the Holy Spirit, your power. Speak to us, O God. Guide us by your light. May we enter into your inheritance. In Jesus' name, amen. May be seated in the presence of the Lord. Bishop Eddie is the guest of Bishop Emmanuel Louis Interfel preaching at the Anakazo Assemblies Church tonight. Amen. And I believe that tomorrow also we have our Jesus Saves campaign coming up right at the Alajo Park. Beautiful. What's it called? Mohammed Polo. Mohammed Polo Park. Beautiful. So we are here tonight in the presence of God and in the word of God, continuing what we began last week, talking about the word of God. Turn to somebody and say the word of God. I believe that is the one of the most important topics to talk about. Why? Because the Bible says in John 1 verse 1, that in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God, and the word was God. Hallelujah. Now all things were created by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. You see, in Job chapter 29, and our prophet has been sharing really nicely and beautifully from that verse. Verse 3 in Job 29 says that, when his candle shined upon my head, and when by his light I walked through darkness. How many realize that there's darkness in this world? This world is full of darkness. In fact, when God's power was singing, he said, This world is so very dark because the world 
according to first John chapter 2, verse 15, which says that love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. For all that is in the world, if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Verse 16. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, and the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but it's of the world. So, the world refers to the world system, the way of thinking, the way of processing things, ideologies, things that are anti-God. And the Bible says that they are all, they all constitute darkness. In other words, if you walk in them, you see, that's why Jesus told the people after he had turned to the woman and said, Go and sin no more, neither do I condemn thee. He said in John 8:12, that John chapter 8, verse 12, he said that I am the light of the world. Are you in John 8:12? No, please send to John 8:12. Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness. But shall have the light of life. Hallelujah. I see you walking in the light of life. You see, darkness means pain. Darkness means fear. Darkness means so much uncertainty. Because if you are in a dark room and you are trying to move about in a dark room, you may hit your foot against a table or something which will bring you pain. And that's why it's so important as Christians to have that conviction, to have that practice, to have that habit, to have that family in you that when I wake up in the morning, I reach not for my phone to check what's up, or to check TikTok, or to check Facebook. <laughs> and I was watching a movie, and a guy was told, "Don't be what, don't, don't be every day on TikTok." He said, "That's a bad idea." He said, "You can't live without TikTok." <laughs> and Jesus, um, the Psalm one one nine verse one o five tells us this very important statement. He says, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. You see, if you are a Christian, you must wake up every day looking for some light. Because you are in darkness. Amen. You see, light, lamp, light unto my path and lamp unto my feet. When you are walking in a dark place, you need a torch that you can shine to your feet to see whether you are not going to step on a snake or a scorpion or something. And that, I believe, refers to the day-by-day instruction and teaching that you get from the Word of God when you wake up in the morning. That is what is called the lamp onto your feet. And the light onto your path is like the sun, which is a bright light shining all the path to show you way into the future, which I believe represents the great principles that are in the word of God. So you need both. You see, you need the word of God, established word of God, which gives you principles. And some of these principles include forgive. 
You see, I want somebody to walk in the light of life. When Jesus said the light of life, what he also meant was that it is the light that brings you life. Hallelujah. The light that brings you life. Darkness brings you death, but light brings you life. And so if you are walking in the light of life and you read your Bible and you get to Hebrews chapter 12 verse 15, it will tell you that looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God and lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you and thereby many be defiled. If you have ought against somebody, you will forgive the person. Because if you don't forgive the person, your unforgiveness will degenerate into bitterness. And once you become bitter, Peter looked at somebody one day and said, I perceive that thou art in the bond of iniquity and in the gall of bitterness. It means that even your interaction with such a person will bring out evil spirits. You see, because people who are demonized, the seventh stage, you know we have stages of disloyalty. There are seven stages and then the eighth is execution. There are also seven stages of offense. The last stage of offense, according to the book, those who are offended, is demonization. Oh yes. So when a person becomes so offended, because you see, offenses are like wounds. They are wounds. Now when you sustain a wound in the flesh, according to pathology, which is a study of morbid anatomy, that is normal anatomy is what you see <laughs> but pathology means something has gone wrong with the normal anatomy okay that's why it's called morbid anatomy <laughs> you remember that one from medical school yeah <laughs> so listen <laughs> when it was in medical school yes so listen According to pathology, wounds are supposed to heal by primary intention. I'll explain to you. Primary intention, I know Chese. The skin has been broken. Something must cover it. Blood cells and other things must cover it. Fibrin and other products. And then it covers nicely and heals without a scar. But many wounds... Because they have breached the skin called the epidermis, germs are able to enter. And once they enter, then the wound will not heal by primary intention, it will heal by secondary intention. And that means that it will become infected. And infected wounds are actually, see, that's the reason why lions don't like attacking buffaloes and other dangerous animals. Because when you are in the bush, and a buffalo gores you with a horn and you get a wound. That's the end of you. That's the end of you. There's no doctor there treating them for infections and other things. So they become infected and the gems enter the bloodstream and they cause a high temperature. It's called a septicemia. Then he dies. Yeah. Septic shock. Then he dies. But you see, when you have the light of life, Immediately something, when you read the Bible, immediately something tries to offend you. You look, a word of God comes to you and then it works on that thing which is trying to offend you and then you become healed or delivered of that offense. That's why every morning is good to wake up and read the word of God. He said, he said, he said, he said, 
he said, he shall not walk in darkness, but he shall have the light of life. You, it, the word of God that you read will also give you the light not to be covetous. Because when you read the word of God, it will tell you in Luke twelve fifteen that take heed and beware of covetousness. For a man's life does not consist in the abundance of the things which he possesses. You want 18 shoes, 45 um, trainers, <laughs> 16 weeks. <laughs> Even a house, you have a big house with 14 toilets. How many can you use at one time? A mass life consisted not in this. I have a lot of, even if you have a lot of cars, how many can you drive at one time? At a time. And when you are about to check out of this life, they will not even bury you in any of the cars that you take it with you so that you can drive it or no. They will let a carpenter attention make something that looks like the Benz, Mercedes Benz, and they'll put you inside. <laughs> or be a butter. Forgive. Mercy. You see, I want us to embrace the light so that when you wake up every morning, say, I will not walk in darkness today, but I shall walk in light. I need some light. I need some light to walk by today. I cannot walk in darkness. I cannot walk in darkness. One day I was reading the word of God. I, was, I, I never thought about I'd finished medical school. I didn't really think about marriage at all. At all. It was on my mind. I was thinking about specializing in other things. And I read a verse in Jeremiah. It said, Marry. <laughs> Build houses. Marry. I said, Eh, okay. It sounds like a good idea. But I didn't act on it. Another day, as I was reading, then in my quiet time, I came to Proverbs chapter 31. And it says, A woman who fears the Lord, she is to be praised. Beauty is very charming. That as the Bible described the woman, I said, Ah, I think I know somebody like this. But she was walking around me and around me in my life, and I had not said anything to her. So immediately I saw that scripture and I said to her, Sister, please, will you be my wife? And yesterday was 25 years exactly since. (laughs) Beautiful. The light of life directed me. <laughs> the light of life directed me. The light of life. The light of life. It's a light. The light. Oh, please sit down. It's a light. They are talking about. It. I hope you are not clapping for me. You are clapping for the light of life. Oh yes. Oh yes. Oh yes. So why are you walking in darkness? Why do you wake up and there's no word in your life? You have not read the Bible. You have not read a scripture to meditate on, to think about, to guide you in this world of darkness. How about your relationships? The light of life will show you that you second second Corinthians six fourteen says, Do not be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. 
and an unbeliever includes the brother who when he met you and said he liked you, you told him that you come to Macarius church. So one Sunday you brought him here and when Bishop Eddie was preaching and he gave the altar call, you pushed and said go, 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 go. So that he comes here and he comes to give his life to Christ. I believe in Jesus and all that. But he's doing that just because of you. So he can get you into bed. And when he has finished, he will walk away. But the light of life will tell that, hey, he's an unbeliever. Rather, this Christian brother who is a Basenta leader who has been bashing people up and down, who has been sweating, and you look at him and say, oh, this brother, not too much, you see. Look, I'm telling you, some people, they can be very, very, very impressive outwardly. Turn to another and say, outwardly impressive. But inside, there's nothing. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Outwardly, nice. Inside. Mm. No way, though. Nothing. (laughs) Ah, But the word of God will help you to overcome. And not to be deceived. Hallelujah. So today, I want us to share briefly on chapter 5. The quiet time. Your chance to avoid shallowness. Tell to your neighbor, say, your quiet time... It's your chance to avoid shallowness. Beautiful. A little word today. A little word tomorrow. A little word the day after. You see yourself becoming deep. Somebody say deep. Oh yes. I remember one day when I was working with my registrar on the labor ward. I went to deliver a woman who couldn't push her baby with what you call a suction. Ventus, a little cap put on the baby's head. So the woman to push, she pushes, then the baby comes out. When I finished, my registrar said, let's go to my room. Then he went He went to his room. Then he told me, you made 13 mistakes. I said, hey. (laughs) Then he added that it was a straightforward one. If it had not been straightforward, you would have been in trouble. And of course, by that time, he would have just taken over. He would not have let me do it. So when he explained everything to me, I told him, I was very depressed actually. So I told him that, do you think I'll be a good obstetrician? I will turn out to be a good doctor. And he said, if I didn't believe that you'd be a good obstetrician, I wouldn't be sitting here with you at 2 a.m. explaining to you what you have, what you did wrong. I said, wow. So I became encouraged to tell me more. (laughs) He said, for this night, this is enough. Every day you need a little word. You see, one day, a certain woman saw her daughter who had delivered. A few months after she delivered, she could see changes in her morphology. 
they were beginning. So she told her a proverb in Gan. I don't know what that's a proverb or it's a, it's a saying. She said to her that hips labor. The widening of the hips. The enlargement of the abdomen. <laughs> it's a few few. It's a wise saying. Because nobody sets out. I don't think there are many women who set out and say, I will be big. They don't set out that way. But through little, little eating at night and other things <laughs> and inactivity, they become big. You see, I, I, I want to propose to you that a little word of God today, a little word of God tomorrow, a little word of God the next day, little quiet time, you will become a spiritual obolo. Yeah. Hallelujah. And you become deep. So in this verse here, which opens the chapter, it says, And these are they likewise which are sown on stony ground, who when they have heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness. And have no root in themselves. And so endure but for a time. Afterward, when affliction or persecution ariseth for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. I want to show you something. That You see, the word of God in you is your guarantee against being offended. And you see... Many times when you hear this word offended, you think that it's just because you are, you are annoyed or you are bored. No, no, no. It means much more than that. It means much more than that. The word in the Greek is skandalizo. Which means to trip and fall. So, a person who becomes offended can eventually fall. Trip and fall. So an offense is likened to how many of you were boys, you were naughty, your friend was running, and then you stretched your leg there, then he tripped and fell. Many boys have done that before. He used to tie a rope. <laughs> yes. And the people will fall. Yes. See, Satan's aim is to make you trip and fall. And to fall in such a way that you will not rise up again. That you will even be against people that you used to be nice to. That's Satan's aim. But tonight, when you establish yourself in the word of God and the light of life, you shall never be offended. Hey, the Bible says that they shall not be offended because they love thy law. Great peace of they that love thy law. They shall not be offended. Nothing can offend you. Please sit down. I, I, I worked as a house officer in Temajana Hospital. So you know that I've also worked in Ghana hospitals. <laughs> yes, not Milton Kings only. Now, my friend took me in to live in his house because when I went to live there, the hospital did not have accommodation for junior doctors at the time. But my friend also lived in Tema. I said, oh, we have three bedrooms. Come and be in one. So I went to live in one. His wife became pregnant. Now this wife was the third of three sisters. Now her two older sisters gave her advice. 
They told her that when you go into labor, don't rush to hospital quickly. Because you see, many people, you know, if you are with your wife, because I see you marry one of these days, and then your wife will become pregnant, and then she'll be in labor, and then many midwives, they don't listen to a call from their husband or somebody. They want to listen to the person who says she's in labor. Because if she can chat with you for about five minutes, then she's not in labor. <laughs> They're not in labor. You are in labor properly. Look, one day a certain woman arrived at the labor ward. When she got to the labor ward, I think she was reading a news magazine. Then, when the pain started coming, she just... Okay. <laughs> Before they read that the newspaper was somewhere... Then she did something interesting. She called the midwife. Midwife came. She said, I've decided not to have the baby again. <laughs> it's like, if this is what it is, no, I will not have it anymore. <laughs> but the midwife told her that, hey, sister, here, at this point, there's no turning back. There's no going back. Oh, yes. So this lady was told that, you see, because some people go to the hospital and they'll be there and say, I was in labor for 36 hours. No, no, please, real labor is not 36 hours. Real labor is not 24 hours. No. In fact, there's an axiom in obstetrics that the sun should not rise and set on a laboring woman. In other words, 12 hours is enough. Oh, yes. Oh yes, dollars is enough. Otherwise, it's even dangerous for the baby. But anyway, this lady was armed with the knowledge. She said, "If you go to the hospital too early, they'll send you. They'll say you're not in labor. They'll send you home. This and so. Wait until everything is established before you go to the hospital." So this lady, armed with that knowledge, when it was the pain started, she was at home in her room. Mm. 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 Until her waters broke at home. And to the hostel. When she got to the hostel, she was eight centimeters dilated. Within two hours, she had a baby. You see, her labor became easy because her mindset was that a greater pain was coming. Some people, when they get offended in church, because offenses will come anyway, they don't know that what is happening to them is nothing. And that if you continue being in church and serving God, more offenses will come. So what you are experiencing, just be cool about it and pray that God will just help you to overcome that offense so that you become a strong Christian. Hallelujah. Oh yes. Oh yes. So, one of the first points, and I believe that last week... We mentioned some of some of these things, but the number one, so seven symptoms of shallowness in Christians. You are overcoming shallowness in Jesus' name. One day, a great man of God said, superficiality is the curse of this age. Superficiality. Not going deep enough. Many of us don't know things deeply enough. Many of us don't know the doctrines of the Bible that we are supposed to know deeply enough. Reverend Eric, I was pastoring a certain young man. 
about two months, he vanished from the church. A certain group got hold of him. When he came back to the church after two months, I couldn't believe how much they had managed to pump into him in two months. Hey, we had a lot of work to do because they showed him he was confused. And I told myself that, ah, but this guy was with us for a long time. We didn't pump such truth into him. So please, be ready to receive pumping of doctrine into you. So you become established in the truth. Oh yes. We are not deep, grounded, and firm in the truths. I mean, if I start right now, it's okay. Let's discuss atonement. Or remission. Or forgiveness. Bring some verses. Redemption. <laughs> Please, um, then I come to you. <laughs> People write letters and say, hey. <laughs> My God. So number one symptom of shallowness in Christians. And you are overcoming that through your quiet time. I said you are overcoming that through your quiet time. And further Bible study is a lack of knowledge of the scriptures. A lack of knowledge. A lack of knowledge. A lack of knowledge of the scriptures. When it comes to the scriptures, your answers don't come. You know how when you go to school sometimes, when you're in medical school, we call it ewoloik. He doesn't have wolo. He doesn't know the thing. Ewoloik. <laughs> you ask him causes of anemia and he, he can't speak. They say he's ewoloik. If I were to ask somebody now, what passage of the Bible can you, what passage of the Bible do you see clearly discusses the topic of faith? Let's take the pastors away and let's take the shepherds away. Can we have any Christians who just say, Oh, Bishop, I know this passage talks about faith. <laughs> I don't want to do that because if I do that, I mean, if I come to you and say, Show me a passage of scripture that talks about prophecy. <laughs> A passage of scripture that discusses prophecy. You can be discussing it among yourselves. Discussion groups. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. Okay, this one is easy. This one, this one, this one is easy. I'm sure anybody I go to now, you know. Love. Love that you all know. Is that not so? Yeah. But you'll be surprised. I can go to somebody now who will say it's a second chronicle chapter 24. <laughs> They are nervous. <laughs> hey, Christian, be familiar with your Bible. Know your Bible. Like we said last week, there are times to just be there and be reading the Bible. Reading, reading, reading. Don't just read your money. Read your Bible. <laughs> reading your money. Read your Bible. Study the Bible. You see, Christians, we are not deep and we don't know the scripture because we don't go on retreats. We don't go on retreats. There's no, we don't go on retreats. We don't go on retreats. So I'm daring you and challenging you that please look for a retreat. Go to the prayer camp. Spend some time just in the word. That is what will bring you depth. You know, I realize that, you know, the monks of the medieval age, they, they, they used to, they were forever, they were on retreats. 
They were just there. Reading, praying. You see, that's why we get out of them very deep. And when you see things like um, the imitation of Christ. Hey! Thomas Akempis. So that Charlie, people know God. Oh yes. Oh yes. So please, let us begin with our quiet time and increase our knowledge of the scriptures. Hallelujah. Number two, inability to quote scripture. Inability to quote scripture. If you see me coming, I'm not going to ask you to quote any scripture. I don't want any trouble. (laughs) One day some boys were taught scriptures. Then they went home. And the week after they came, the teacher said... Stand up and quote some scriptures. What we learned last week. Because they had taught them about lying. Some scriptures about lying. And one of the boys got up and said, A lie, I don't know what scripture he quoted, but he said, A lie is an abomination unto God. And a very present help in time of trouble. (laughs) Hey, that combined... Two scriptures to show his understanding of what (laughs) even though it's an abomination unto God when you get into trouble (laughs) please never believe such a scripture it's not a scripture it's a combination of scriptures (laughs) but you know like I said last week I want to challenge us Let's get into the habit of memorizing scripture. Say amen. Yeah. You see, I'm not excited about it, but I believe that it's look, it is, it is, it is look, look, people of other religions they are memorizing whole books, so. the whole of their holy book. They know, you know, one day somebody said he went to some of these communist areas, either China or somewhere, in the days when they had communism and the iron curtain. And Christians were persecuted. You know those days people used to smuggle Bibles to the Eastern Bloc. There was a brother called Brother Andrew. His whole business, he actually called himself God's smuggler. So he would pack Bibles into his boots and then move to a communist country. And he didn't have to be detected. Because he was detected, he could be jailed. Oh yes, or even killed. So he tells a story one day when his boot was packed full of Bibles. And he got to a communist block and the guy said, open the boot. No, they asked him, open the boot. What is in your boot? He says he doesn't know. He would never have said that. But he just opened the mouth and said, roses. Roses as flowers. When they opened the boot, the boot was full of roses. God has changed the Bibles into roses so that it will not be detected. Oh, yes. He is the one. He said that anytime he went into another country, he didn't have to have any contacts. Do you get me? He shouldn't have any number on him that shows that he knows this person. And he shouldn't leave with anybody's contact so that if he's found and tortured, he can't say anything genuinely. Do you get me? So he said that as for he, he entered the country and he was just moving through the city. 
every time without fail, as he was walking, he would see somebody and a light would just appear on the person's face and he would say, this one is a Christian. And you go to him and talk to him. He said, without fail, every time he met somebody, gave the Bible to them and escaped from there. From the place. That's God's smuggler. You see, these people, they, could, they would not be able to attend meetings with Bibles. You know, even these days, we have iPads and things like that. So, but in those days when they only had hard copy Bibles, if some people suspected that Christians were meeting in this place and they reported them, the police would raid them. When the police raided them and found out that they had Bibles, they would be arrested and taken to prison. So, even if you had a Bible, you kept it at home. When you were coming for the fellowship, you didn't have a Bible. But what they did was that they would tell you, you are Matthew. My God. It means that the whole of Matthew, you memorize it. You are Isaiah. (laughs) You are Jeremiah. So when they come to the meeting, they say, Can Brother Jeremiah share something with us? It means Brother Jeremiah has to quote scriptures from the book of Jeremiah to encourage us. There is not, there was nothing like reading the Bible with a few verses. No. Chapters and books. Do you see that we are not serious? We are joking. We are joking. We are joking. We have become like the brother who had a dream. In his dream, he went to heaven. Actually, he died because he had gone to visit his beloved and a car knocked him at Akoshi Junction and he died. When he went to heaven, it was testimony night and the title of the testimony was How I Came to Heaven. So one brother got up and said, I was a Christian in the first century in Rome. We were hiding in caves when the emperor came for us as Christians and he fed us to the lions as we entered the arena, people were cheering and the lions came out from the place. They were hungry and they ate us. And I came to heaven. And the second brother also said, I was also a Christian who went to witness to some native Indians in some deep part of um, New Mexico or somewhere like that. And the, Christ, the people came out and when they saw us, they said we're enemies and they used wooden spears to pierce us. And killed us. And they turned to him and said, brother, you also, how did you come? (laughs) Do you think he can share his testimony? (laughs) How you came? How you came to heaven? This is how you came. (laughs) Went to Akushi Junction. (laughs) So brethren... I want us to be wild. Number three. Number three. We are talking about symptoms of shallowness. Number three. Inability to pray for at least one hour a day. How many want to be like Jesus? So some people are not lifting up their hands because. Now Jesus in Matthew 26:40 exclaimed when he saw James, Peter, and John sleeping and he cometh unto the disciples and finding them asleep and said unto Peter what could you not watch with me one hour which means that Christian 
Your minimum time of prayer is like having prayed at all one hour. That should be your aim. That should be your aim. You know, some people say that they've lost appetite. So even that, he went to us and said, I couldn't eat. So I had to eat three balls of cake. And even the fourth one, I had to mash it before I ate it. So he's lost appetite. So you should also say that today I couldn't pray at all. Something, you know, something happened. One hour. One hour. One hour. You see, and, and if you are a Christian who is taught by Bishop Dagwood Mills, there's a powerful book called Transform Your Pastoral Ministry, which has nine steps to pray for a long time, which includes pray with music or pray with tips. And I will really, really, really encourage you that by the grace of God, through the flow prayer meeting, we have a powerful atmosphere for prayer, which is a combination of music, preaching, and prayer in tongues. So sometimes when I want to pray, I just put an old flow on. I'm not particularly praying the prayer with them. It's just giving me an atmosphere. And I'm praying. And I'm studying the word. You will continue in the word and study in the word. When you have a good atmosphere. Many of us are not able to pray for a longer period. Because we are praying in a difficult atmosphere. But today God is giving you a, a flat screen on you. A big, big, big flat screen in your house. A Bluetooth speaker in your house. If you want to buy something. You know, buy something that will help. Invest in something that will help your spirituality. Get a good Bluetooth speaker. And get a nice big flat screen. Oh yes. Because God may give you money. And if you are not, your priorities are not right in wanting to become a deep Christian, you go and buy something else. Jesus himself, the Bible says in Mark 135, and in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place and there preached. Jesus had a regular habit of waking up a great while before day. And when you study that word morning, you see that it's actually referring to the beginning of the last watch of the night. The Jews, actually the Romans, had four watches of the night. Six to nine, nine to twelve, twelve to three, and three to six. Those are the four watches of the night. And you, Jesus woke up at the beginning of the last watch and went to pray. You see, when you juxtapose that with his prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane, where he went and came back and went and came back and went and came back, you can see that as for Jesus, his prayer habit was to pray at least three hours a day. And I want to challenge you. After you have built yourself up to one hour, build yourself up to more. Go to two hours. God may give you grace to go to three hours. Oh, I talked to the certain brother. He was a lay pastor. He told me that, uh, Bishop Asu, now I just stay in my room and pray for three hours and I go to my workplace and I issue instructions and the people do it and then I come back. Yes. He's a full-time pastor. But he has believed so much in the things that he has seen ahead, that he is now able to pray for three hours a day, working for himself. 
May God give you the grace to get there as well. Then Jesus, apart from praying three hours a day, he also had these times where he would go and pray in the nights. You know, in Matthew chapter 14, verse 22 to 25, Matthew 14, 22, it says, and straightway Jesus, this is after the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him onto the other side while he sent the mountains away. Next verse. And when they had sent the mountains away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. When the Jews say evening is 6 p.m. Night is 6 p.m. Because they are 12 hours in the day. 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. That's how they even measure. They say the first hour of the day, the third hour of the day is 9 o'clock, the sixth hour of the day is 12 noon, the ninth hour of the day is 3 p.m. So 6 p.m. And the 11th hour is 5 p.m. Now look at the next verse. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in what time? The fourth watch of the night. Jesus went unto them. Walking on the sea. So if Jesus went there between 6 p.m. and 9 p.m. And appeared between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. He had been praying anything between 6 hours and 9 hours. Coolly. After a major crusade. After a major crusade or a major convention. They like to give us some drinks. Or some soup or something. But Jesus, he went to pray. <laughs> wow. And then Luke chapter 6, verse 12. It says, and in uh, Luke says, and it came to pass in those days that he went into a mountain to pray and continued all night. Wow. And that's 12 hours. Jesus says, all night is not six hours that like we tend to fall. And we say we have prayed all night. No, no. And we come at 11.45. <laughs> no. I pray that God will give you some depth in him. Amen. So that you will be able to pray. Amen. And become deep. Number four. Inability to lead and teach after being a Christian for two years. Wow. Inability to lead and teach after being a Christian for two years. And I'm preaching from how you can have an effective quiet time with God every day, which you should have on your device. If you don't have it, ask. You can have 100 books of the prophets on your device for free. Hebrews 5.12 for when for the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God. And I become such as have need of milk and not of strong meats. You know, shepherds and pastors, we must develop the people who are under us into leaders. The point is that you cannot be bashing somebody for more than two years. By two years, he should be bashing people. Yes. If you are bashing somebody for two years, then you have failed as a, as, as a shepherd or a pastor. 
that he's so dependent that after two years he still has to be chased and bust. No. Some have been busting for five years. What? <laughs> There's something wrong. You know, some years ago I had a, a, a new brother who was chasing a certain sister around. She was a committed Christian in medical school. And a sister came to tell me that this guy is trying to talk. I saw that the guy is not a serious Christian. It won't work. I said, it won't work. Don't worry, it won't work. But you see, one day, I met the guy after a while. The same guy. Hey, number one, he was carrying a Dick's Bible. You see, Dick's annotated reference Bible means that you are serious about God. Some of us still have the Jehovah Witness Bible that the Jehovah Witness people gave to us some years ago when they came to our house. That's what you've been bringing to church. <laughs> and Gideon's Bible, which somebody brought from hospital, even that one, they should have left it in the house, they brought one, the, and it's in your house, and you're, that's the Bible you, you are using. <laughs> you don't have a study Bible, whether a hard copy or a soft copy, you don't have a study Bible, Bible that takes you deeper, then you cannot be deep. You cannot be deep. English Standard Version Bible, they can give it you to start your Christianity, but by the time you are two years in the Lord, you should have a, your own deep Bible. The brother was holding dicks. And then I met him, and when we were chatting, he said something, I said, hey, Charlie, the guy has become deep. The guy was into the dicks, he was soaking messages, so soon after he proposed to the sister again, and this time she agreed, because you could see that the brother had become deep. There was a certain lady. I don't know if you've heard me say it before, but when I, she was my member, she told me before that before I go, I used to go to church every other week. To me, too much church is no good. So when I go to church, she said sometimes I dress up, and when I finish, I said ah, I went to church last week. Then she would take the dress off. <laughs> And go to the poolside. Yes, that was her practice. But one day, she became my sheep. And we said, every one of you must have a Dick's Bible. Within a certain period of time. Hey, the sister had become wild. She was the leader of the dancing star. So one day I asked her that. So when did you change? Because you did. I know that when you came, you are not serious. I said, oh, when I bought my Dick's Bible. And I started setting the word. That's when I began to change. Brethren, the Bible says in Proverbs 23, 23 that buy the truth and sell it not. Anybody who wants to be serious in God will have to invest into the word of God. Without that investment, you free things so free, everything free. It will not work. It will not work. <laughs> That's why when you heard that give thyself holy was 200, can I say, hey, I can't go. Hmm? Oh. Hmm. God is helping us. So what can tell your turn to your neighbor as what kind of Bible do you have? Ask them what kind of Bible. Tell him what Bible do you have? You don't even have a Bible. That is your own. Your sister's engagement Bible that they gave her. That's the Bible that you say is your own. 
I believe our bookshop has good Bibles that you can go there and invest in a good Bible. The Kata Bible. Beautiful. Yes. If you see Pastor Matthias, you help you to get the Tekata Bible. Number five. A lack of interest in Christian books and tapes. Signs of shallowness. Seven symptoms of shallowness in Christians. Number five is a lack of interest in Christian books and tapes. I remember one day the prophet told a story. He said they were around somewhere waiting for somebody to come and pick them. And then he told the man of God he was with the oh, I've seen a bookshop over there. I want to go there. I'm going to go there. No, no, no. Bad idea. Bad idea. A pastor like you entering a bookshop, you will not come out now because we realize you'll be late. Oh, yeah. You know, may God give you the grace to have a desire to read Christian books like this. One of my sons, he was locked up one day in a bookshop. Because I think he couldn't buy the books. So he used to go into the bookshop and hide and read the books. One day they closed the bookshop, locked the door and left. They are closed. But I think he was too engrossed in the book to even realize that they are locked. So later on, and those days there were no many mobile phones. Later on, somebody went to unlock, to pick something. Ah! What are you doing here? And they brought him out. Yeah. I don't even notice that he was on. He was just there. Reading. You know, I remember when I joined Lighthouse Chapel International in the UK, Milton Keynes. Somebody was coming to Ghana. I remember giving them money, buy books. The person bought so many books at a point, because the money I had given him, at a point, they asked him that, is the person you are buying the books for a pastor? I wasn't a pastor. Then the guy said, oh, he's not a pastor. I said, oh, no, yeah, I'm sure he is. Then he added handbook of ceremonies to it. <laughs> How to officiate weddings and all that. Added, added it to it. Because like, the guy is buying so many books that he must be a pastor. You know, people who people who want to know. I've heard the prophet say many times that he has everything that Kenneth Hagin has preached. He has everything that Billy Graham has preached. He has everything. He has everything. You know, one day I was listening to a testimony by, I think it was Mike Medock. He went to sit. He had preached at Garden of Champions for Matthias Shimolo. And he went to sit in the pastor's office. And as he sat in the office, he heard Dr. Mensah Otabo preach or introduce his message. And it came on the speaker in his office. As he listened, he said, what? Who is that? He said, oh, he's from Ghana. His name is Mensah. He said, he told his secretary, get me everything he has preached or written. I can learn from him. Get me everything. 
So I'm also praying for you for a desire that. Because you like too many short, 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 short videos, reels. Hey. Nonsense, plenty. You see, it is, it is, it is. No, please, please. When the prodigal son moved out of his father's house, what he was tempted to eat was pig's feed. Many of us, that's what we are eating all the time. That's what you like. Even the fact that that's what you like a lot of the time. When you are sitting on your own, that's what you want to watch all the time. It shows that you are not well. You are not well. A Christian. No, it's the worldly people who should be. That's what they feel. They know no better. But you, when there is Colossians to read. Have you read Colossians before? Have you even read Colossians and read through and, and received some edifying before? Have you? But you want to read something and then somebody... Anyway. Let's finish. Number six. Inability to worship God. Hey. Look at our fathers, Bishop Eddie. One thing that challenges my Bishop Eddie is that he knows the words of the worship song. And he just got to know them. He learns them. He learns them. So one day the Lord told me that you, you were a certain time you used to sit down and learn words of songs, but nowadays you don't. I realized that I was being rebuked by the Lord. Learn the words of the song. I met Prophet Kaka, and ah, he sings the songs. So I met his wife, and I said, that's it. Let's say yes. He sits down to learn the words. How many of the prophet songs, all this favorite child, do you know that you have learned so that you can sing along? I think that many years ago, when we were in the world, even as little boys, we used to get words of songs and sing them. Music, yeah, used to sing them. And a sign that you are not serious about the words or you don't even know or you don't even want to know is that you don't bother to know the words. And then you look for words that sound like those words and just sing them. And you sing, sing things like, when the clouds on phobia, and the, the, the words, it's not phobia. It's when the clouds unfold their wings of strife. But you say, when the clouds unfold, you're not even thinking about it. You're not thinking about it. <laughs> oh, I used to sing when we were children. We were marching on phobia. Because we're not thinking about it. How does phobia come into this this song? How does it come? But many of you have words like that. You have just found some word and just used it to substitute and sing on without thinking. You're not thinking about it. See, we should engage our minds in our worship of God. The Bible says, love the Lord of God with your heart, with your mind, with your soul, with your strength. Think about your worship of God. And it includes looking for the words that are anointed and powerful and learning them. They can help you. Can help you. It can help you. It can help you. Hey, one day I went to a church. Sakradi years ago. Hey, nice worship songs were singing new songs. And I didn't know many of them. So I was a first time. So when we closed, they said first time has come. So I went and then they took my name everything. So when we're going home, 
And I asked one of my brothers that there was a song that they were singing. I want to know the words, but he should. Hey, as soon as some of the words were like it was an English song, but some of his words were like fancy words. He had mixed the whole. <laughs> he had mixed the whole. The whole thing was mixed up. <laughs> he, didn't, he, didn't, he, didn't, he, didn't, he didn't know the words, so he didn't, and he had not bothered. It's like <laughs> no. It's like oh, this one also means that. So the, the, yeah, that's that's all. That's all. So when you come to worship next time, you see, there are words, even they show us words. But I think that you go even deeper when in your own private time with God you can sing the song with the proper words. It helps you. And the final point is inability to fellowship regularly. Inability to fellowship regularly. First John 1 7. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ's Son cleanseth us from all sin. Hallelujah. You should come to church so much that they will ask you at home, don't you like us? Don't you like us? Or you spend so much time at church. Because when you are in love with Jesus, or when you are in love with anybody, time is not a... Oh yeah. I know a brother who... We were all in medical school in Kolebu. He would come and visit his beloved in Saba Hall in Lego. In the morning, Saturday, go to market at Lego with her. Come back. She will come and cook. They will eat. He will stay there till about 8 p.m. So that's about 12 hours. So he went to school to study. A medical student. And then he will go back to medical school, Kolebu, getting there around 11. Then on arriving, he will write an eight-page letter to the person he had been spending the whole day with. <laughs> he didn't marry her. Offense came in and he was out. But I remember this brother, he told me that he used to live at Asylum Down. And his beloved was in Tema. And he used to go and visit her Tema Community 6. So you get to Community 1, take a car to Community 6. And then she would come and see him off to Community 1 station. And as he's sitting in the taxi, she would say, Oh, so you're going to go back alone to Accra. Let me join you. And she would join him, she who had been visited, though would join him and come back to Accra, to his house in Asylum Down. So he was living with his sister. So after he said, oh, sister, I'll help you give food. And then after, said, oh, so are you going back to Tamilon? Let me go with you. <laughs> you know, that is what ultimately ends up in marriage because it's like, now I can't live without you. 
I want you to be with me all the time. I pray that we too will be like that when it comes to Jesus. That I can, that's a song like that. I can spend, I can have enough of you. The singers are not here. But I believe that God will help us to overcome shallowness. A little quiet time today, a little tomorrow, a little the next day. By next year, you'll be different. Let's stand to our feet and close. Oh, yes. Jesus, I love you. That's a song. Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I feel you in all of your glory. I can't get enough of you. Lift up your hands and pray that God will make you move away from shallowness into depth. Deep calleth unto deep. But you get there through the word of God. The study of the word of God. The love of the word of God. The love of books and tapes. Getting a good Bible. Pray. Pray. Yes, Lord. Take us deeper, oh God. Take us deeper, oh God. Rabbi Lolo, Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. They are moving away from shallowness, O God. Loving your word. Quoting scripture. Reading the Bible. Being immersed in the word. Lift your hands and say, Take me deeper, deeper in love with you. Jesus, hold me close in your embrace. Take me deeper, deeper than I've ever been before. I just want to love you more and more. How I long to be deeper in love. One more time, say, Take me deeper, Lord. Take me deeper. Deeper in love with you. Jesus, hold me close in your embrace. Take me deeper, deeper than I've ever been before. I just want to love you more and more. How I long to be deeper in love. Some more times, take me deeper, Lord. Take me deeper. Hold me close, Jesus. Hold me close in your embrace. 
Thank you. You're drawing us, oh God, drawing us deeper into your word. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Draw me from fear into your faithfulness. Lead me along your way. Draw me from sin into your holiness That I may be a living praise Draw me deeper, Lord Draw me deeper, Lord, deeper Into your word of truth Draw me deeper, Lord, deeper Into our love for me Draw me deeper, Lord, deeper to the place where you are. Draw me deeper and deeper that I may know your heart. Draw me deeper, Lord. Draw me deeper, Lord, deeper. Into your word of truth. Draw me deeper. Draw me deeper. Lord, deeper. Into your love for me. Yeah. Draw me deeper. Lord, deeper. To the place where you are. Draw me deeper. And deeper. That I. One more time, say, draw me deeper, draw me deeper, Lord, deeper into your word of truth. Draw me deeper, draw me deeper, Lord, deeper into your love for me. Draw me deeper, Lord, deeper to the place where you are. Draw me deeper. Just deeper and deeper, deeper and deeper, deeper and deeper, deeper and deeper. And I may know your heart, and I may know your heart. One last time, say, draw me deeper, Lord, draw me deeper, Lord, deeper into your word of truth. Draw me deeper. Into your love for me. Oh, oh, draw me deeper, Lord, deeper to the place where you are. Draw me deeper and deeper. That I may know your heart. That I may know your heart. Thank you, Father, you are drawing us deeper into your word of truth. The riches of your word, the light of your word, the revelation that comes when we sit under your feet and by your candle you shine your light on us, O God. 
May your word indeed be a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path, the light of life, enveloping us, taking us deeper into you, Lord. Thank you. In Jesus' name. With every head bowed and every eye closed, you are here or you are joining us by Facebook or YouTube. You don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, but today God wants to take you deeper. I want you to pray this prayer with us. Say, Heavenly Father, I thank you for sending Jesus to die for me. I know I'm a sinner. I cannot save myself. Please forgive me. Wash away my sins. Wash me with your blood. Make me a new creature. I thank you, Father, for hearing me. I'm born again. In Jesus' name. Amen. We believe you have been blessed by this powerful teaching from the Macarius Church headquarters, East Lake on Hills, Accra. Stay blessed. I am waiting.